Welcome back to the show. Today, I am so excited to bring you my guest, Trish Bishop. She joins us from Canada, where she lives, and she is an amazing person. She's the author of the book, The Question Journey. She's a speaker. She's a leader, an innovator, and just an overall wealth of knowledge for us. So if you need to get inspired, please stay tuned and listen the whole way through because at the very end, she'll give some advice on how we can get unstuck in our lives if we're just kind of in a rut. So I can't wait for you to hear Trish and enjoy what she has to share with us. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Norman former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast, to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams, to shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams. Welcome to the show, Trish Bishop. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. The audience will have heard your intro and all the amazing things you've done, but I really want to thank you for being here with me. We connected, I believe, on the Serving Circle. I've had a few guests from there. Tyson. Okay, cool. Yep, absolutely. I love the Serving Circle. What a fantastic group of people and Tyson is the bomb. Absolutely love that guy. Yeah. From all over the world. That's what I like to meet. And speaking of that, where are you joining us from today? I'm in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Really? Yes. Although I'm not from there. I'm not from there originally. So I've been all over the country. This is, but it's kind of where I live right now. Oh, well, I look forward to this because you Canadians are always (laughs) so nice. (laughs) Right? <laughs> is there a mean Canadian? I don't know. Oh, you know, I have my moments, right? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, we're going to get into your story a bit more, but I, I like to start out with a fun question, and this might lead into your story. <clears throat> sure. And that is, what social group were you a part of in high school? I don't know what you call it there, but secondary school, whatever. And what, if any effect, do you feel like that had in your life? Wow, that is a that is a big one. Um, because the social group that I was a part of was um, the social group of Trish. <laughs> really? <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah, like, you know what? I hated high school. Really? Like seriously hated high school. Like there literally was not, I, 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 you know, it's so funny because later on in life when my husband and I would go to parties and people would be at the parties and they'd be like, Oh my God, you know, I wish I was back in high school. And I'm like, not me. Like there, there isn't enough money on this planet to send me back to that time. It was horrible. Uh, it was terrible. Um, girls were really mean. Uh, if you weren't a jock or you weren't, you know, in a clique, then, you know, you're pretty much ostracized. I was really good in school. I was always high honors, but you know, I also skipped a lot of school. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how I get the marks I did, to be honest. In fact, I had a teacher years later say, 
Trish, I honest to God don't know how you got the marks that you did because like I don't even remember seeing you in class. So yeah, it uh, it was really it was the land of Trish. I was and you know what I'm a lone wolf. I I'm totally um, I have really uh, amazing friends that are like soul level friends, but I I don't have a lot of them. So you know I have a lot of people that I know and love, but in terms of my really close group, it's a very small group. So. I, um, I'm very comfortable standing alone. I'm very comfortable being alone. I love to be alone actually. Um, and high school was, you know, I, I, I learned that about myself in high school because that's where I was like, yeah. you know, I was alone and you had to figure that out. So, so yeah, you know, I didn't love high school and I was really not part of a social group at all. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. Interesting. <laughs> Well, you seem so bubbly and stuff now. You seem extroverted, but you're kind of describing introverted. How do you how do you identify? So I don't know. I don't know if you've heard of this term yet, but I'm an ambivert. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so I'm a, I'm an ambivert. I go both ways. So I totally will like turtle in and get really quiet to to uh, to up you know to get grounded. Really, like that's not my amp up time, but that's my. I just need to be calm time. And then, you know, when I'm around people or doing something like this with you, I'm just like, bring it on, baby, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I can feed off of the energy of either one of those. I'm a total ambivert for sure. Well, I, and I can relate to that. I can turn it on when I need to, but I definitely identify as an introvert because I get my battery charged from being alone, but also this past year with the pandemic, I'm realizing I need the battery of other people <laughs> as well, you know? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I am an, I'm a bit of an energizer bunny. The running joke at my office is don't give Trish coffee. Because <laughs> <laughs> my energy's off the charts in general, right? So I'm not allowed to drink coffee. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm very high energy. It's a general proposition. So lots of people get to feed off of me. <laughs> so tell us... I want to get a little snapshot of where you are right now in your life. And then we're going to go back in time to what led you to this. So what do you do for a living or, you know, yeah. What do you do for a living right now? And then we're going to go back. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I do, I do, I, I would say there's two things on my, my agenda kind of right now. So one is I'm the, you know, I'm a director for uh, client services with an organization here in Manitoba. And, um, you know, so that means I kind of, I work in IT, I've worked in IT for majority of my career, all my career, basically. Um, but I also am an energy integration coach. So really what I'm helping people to do, and really I'm focused on leaders, is helping them to understand how to use their intuition as an additional skill set to really create massive transformation, you know, as a leader, but in particular with their teams. With COVID, what we saw was, um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of really poor leadership. Mm. And that poor leadership had devastating effects for individuals, communities, the economy, you know, uh, this isn't a problem that we can just continue to ignore. And, um, and I've really kind of been felt called to step up and, um, and to provide a capability here to help leaders to, interestingly enough, you talk about the serving circle, 
really move into a servant leadership mentality, right? Where it's really about empowering your team and helping people to become the best that they can possibly be. So that's that's the other side of, uh, of the work. I'm literally just launching that right now. Um, but that's that's the other piece of the work that I'm really super interested in right now. And uh, and I think it's really, it's important. You know, we can't afford to continue to go on like this with that kind of poor leadership. Yeah, I, I love that. And yeah, it's been trying times and the true... <laughs> energy of people has kind of come to the surface in this and um, a lot of burnout, a lot of everything because of that lack of leadership, don't you think? Well, yeah. And, and I mean, the really interesting thing was, you know, we saw a, little, a lot of good things come out of COVID. We saw a lot of creativity, a lot of people who were creating community where it didn't exist before. We saw, you know, people step into leadership positions that were not what you would call a formal leader. They didn't have a title and yet they just stepped into the gap and they led the way. So we really saw a shift in terms of how people chose to show up. And, um, you know, that to me, some of those stories that I saw were really inspiring. And uh, so, so there was good things that did come out of COVID. It's not good, you know, no matter how you slice it, right. but you can look to see for the positive. And I think that there was a lot of that going on, but that poor leadership, you know, there was organizations that were leaders at the top, you know, vice presidents and directors could not mobilize and pull their people through that crisis. They just had no idea where to go with it. That, that makes a huge statement and it shines a big spotlight on that, uh, that lack of leadership capability for sure. For sure. Well, your book is called The Question Journey and we wanna go, we're gonna get into that, but I wanna go back into your journey a little bit more. Sure. And kind of going back more to your childhood where were you initially raised? I know you said you weren't from Manitoba originally. Um, where were you raised and what kind of um, fears and obstacles would normally come up for you in your life growing up? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I was raised in just outside of Halifax, Nova Scotia. So that's, you know, way in the Atlantic in Atlantic Canada. It's, you know, I, I grew up in a small bedroom community, you know, or I don't know what they call them in the States, but, you know, here that it's like, you know, it, it's kind of suburbs ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody kind of knew everybody. In terms of the fears that I had growing up, you know, I came from a, you know, I didn't have a great childhood. So, you know, so there was lots that went on there that, uh, you know, I've had to work through. Mm-hmm. as a, as an adult to go back and lots of forgiveness and lots of uh, trauma, you know, which could have been coming from anything, be it home life or school life or whatever else that, you know, you have to go through in terms of the fears. I think the biggest thing that, that I find um, at this point in my life is that it's those deep beliefs, right? Like mm-hmm. there's the old school mentality that we were brought up with that, your parents just didn't know any better and fair enough, but it's like, well, you can't, you can't, you know, have a good job if you don't have an education mm-hmm. and you can't make a lot of money if you don't work hard. And, you know, and, and it seems like those are just very simple statements. And yet when they are so rooted in your DNA, mm-hmm. because that's all you've ever heard growing up, you kind of have this, you know, <laughs> this deeply held beliefs that you've created all these stories around it that you're just spending your adult life unwinding, right? you know, over and over and over again. And, and it's, it's really, um, you know, if there was anything that I could share with people who, you know, are, are raising kids at this point, it's like, please tell your kids they can do anything they want. Right. Tell your kids, you know, 
they can they can have I don't have a university education. Really? I've had the most amazing career in IT. I helped launch the first internet service provider in Canada. I used to try to convince people email would be a good idea someday, you know, like, and that launched a tremendous career in IT that there was no, I was on the bleeding edge of technology for so long. It was like, why am I going to stop now and go back to school? That's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. Like I'm learning more now boots on the ground than I would ever learn going back to university. So, you know, so I've been able to be extremely successful leveraging all kinds of other skills that I, you know, that I whether I have inherently or have learned along the way, I've had some tremendous leaders. So all of those things have really created my ability to be successful. Think about where we are right now. Think about what we're doing right now in this podcast and the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you could barely get somebody to listen to one. Now you and I are doing this. There's 14 year old kids out there doing this and they're making tons of money doing it. So, you know, tell your kids they can do whatever they want, mm -hmm. right? If they're creative enough and they're, and they're, you know, tuned in enough, there's tons of opportunities out there for them. And that's not to say you don't go to school. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is you instill them with these beliefs that if you don't do this, you can't have that. You're, you know, they're going to be like me spending their adult years trying to unwind all that, uh, all those beliefs that are really not serving them. Right. The soundtrack in your mind that got implanted totally. when you're. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like that you said that because I heard a statistic, I think it was today that only 20 six, seven, eight percent of people who went to college are actually working in the field they went to college for. So not to say college is a bad thing, you know, but making a 20 year old choose what they're going to do for the rest of their life. That's like saying when you have your first crush, you're going to get married to them and that's what it's going to be forever, you know? So there's so many, we're not just one thing, you know, just like you, you're in IT and you're a coach. I'm a physical therapist, an inventor, a podcaster, a right, you know, so you don't have to be one thing and college can't teach you all of that. But I would like to know, how did you even get into IT without a college degree? Were you just interested in computers or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> this is a funny story. So, so at the time, uh, so this is a bit of a funny story. So uh, okay, let me go there. Uh, so I was accepted to university from grade 11 because my marks were so high. Okay. So I went to university for about, I don't know, four or five months and hated it. Like there are literally not even words for how much I hated that. Okay. So I, my brain works at a hundred miles an hour and getting into all this theory and like, there's no way I absolutely hated it. So I, I dropped out. So I basically, you know, fast forward like a year or two, I'm, I uh, have just given birth to my son. I'm basically a single mom. Okay. High school dropout. That's what I am. I'm a, I'm a single mom, high school dropout. I'm waitressing. All right. Wow. And um, yeah. And I've just met my now husband at the time. Okay. So him and I are going out and whatever. Here's what we used to do. I used to get up at 3.30 in the morning and he and I would go and we would deliver newspapers through an adult paper route. Okay. Wow. So we would go deliver newspapers till like five in the morning. I'd go home, I'd get ready for school. Okay. So he actually convinced me to go back and get my grade 12 at 20. Okay. Wow. And then I went to take a one-year program called business information technology at the Nova Scotia community college. So we're doing these paper routes. I go home, get ready for school. I go to school. After I'm done school, I walk down the hill and I had an, an evening job at, at that time. It was called the Halifax Herald. Okay. 
So I worked there until from three until eight. And then I would go home and do my homework and, you know, get up and rinse and repeat. Right. So that was my life. Now, one night when I was working at the Halifax Herald, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Is anyway, that this guy, the, yeah, yeah, it was a newspaper. Okay. Yeah, it was a newspaper. So this guy walks by and he, he stops by my desk and he says, hey, I just signed up. He had these two floppy disks. <laughs> Some of your audience may not even know what the heck that is, right? Yeah. He had these two floppy disks and he dumps them on my desk and he goes, hey, he said, uh, I just signed up for this thing called the internet. And uh, I, I think they need some help. You should give them a call. So I'm like three quarters of the way through my business information technology program. Okay. Mm -hmm. As it is, I actually never finished the last month because wow. I got this job and they, and my marks were so good. They were like, yeah, don't worry about it. You're good. They, so I got my diploma, but anyway, they, I go, then I called them that night and they were still there. So I, it was like eight o'clock at night. I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to, I've heard somebody signed up. You're looking for some help, you know, just wanted to know, you know, if you, if you, if we can talk, they said, can you be here tomorrow at seven o'clock in the morning for an interview? I said, sure. So it showed up at seven, hired at eight. Wow. <laughs> As the receptionist. Okay. <laughs> so I quickly moved from receptionist to service desk manager to national project manager to national franchise manager. And we actually, in addition to, you know, being one of the first ISPs in Canada, we also were the first IPO. So, wow. you know, uh, project manager for that. And then, you know, we moved everything to Ontario. And anyway, it, it was it was just it was the most tremendous ride ever. High performance team. I worked with amazing people. It was like buckets of fun. Honestly, most days my stomach was killing me from laughing so hard. Really? But because I learned everything from the ground up. Right. That's why I was able to leverage that. Now, do I have inherent skills? You know, I, you know, I, I do like, I'm just, I, I think really fast. I'm, you know, I'm smart. Like, you know, like there's just some things that I have in terms of how I work. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm just saying it because it is what it is. Right. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm not that I am. And, you know, I get stuff done. So I'm just one of those people. And uh, because of that, I've been able to have tremendous success. Yeah. You're scrappy. It seems like scrappy man <laughs> and not and not unwilling to work hard. I mean, getting up at that hour for a paper route as an adult, I think uh, a lot of people wouldn't do that. So that's commendable. I love your story and your energy. It's great. So going on kind of to your more current life, it doesn't seem like you have a lot of fears and obstacles because you've done a lot of amazing things. But what kind of in the recent years uh, would you say was a major setback or kind of, you know, just shocked you or had you reeling in some way? And how did you overcome that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that there aren't fears. There, there definitely are. But there was definitely, you know, so my book, for example. Okay. So we, we launched, uh, I launched the book in 2009. I lived on Vancouver Island at the time. And um you know, we did a launch, we had a lot of fun, you know, it, it was doing really well. And uh, I was doing workshops and all kinds of other stuff going on. Anyway, whole sequence of events, and we end up leaving the island and moving back to Halifax for a short period of time. And then uh, to the prairie. So my husband ended up coming out first, I came out later. Uh, we were settling in Saskatoon, and it was uh, 2013. So uh, we had gone for a, one of those 5k donkey runs or something like some mud runs, whatever they call them. Yeah. Anyway, it was a bit ridiculous. But anyhow, uh, at the end of this run, 
my husband, you know, he's like saying, oh, I don't feel good. And, you know, he, he's, uh, he wants me to drive and he's actually talking about me taking them right to the hospital. Wow. And I was like, hey, okay. So I'm driving our daughters in the back with a friend. Okay. And, um, and at that time she might've been, I don't know, 16 or 15 or 16, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he goes into convulsions as I'm driving down the highway. Oh my goodness. So I stopped the car throw him bodily out of the car right like literally throw him out of the car as I'm doing this this uh woman and her son stop their vehicle and come and help us now check this out you want to talk about angels and people you know having miracles show up in their life this woman and her son she was an ICU nurse or a STARS nurse. I don't know if you have STARS down in the US, but that's like the helicopters that would right. go into emergency mm-hmm. situations, right? So she's an ICU nurse. He's like 18 years old at the time and just finished his EMT training. Wow. That kid, I'm telling you, did 20 minutes of chest compressions to keep wow. my husband alive. So he was, I didn't know, like I, I kind of knew intuitively that something was fundamentally wrong, but I just was in, I was in shock, right? Mm-hmm. And so- they kept him alive uh, until the the ambulance got there. He should not have made it. He had what they refer to as a widowmaker heart attack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we led a very healthy lifestyle, you know, from 2005 on. And and so he was quite healthy, which which definitely worked in his favor. However, two weeks later, he has a stroke. So we're home and he's feeling like, you know, he's feeling pretty good after about two weeks. And he's like, well, maybe I'll go back to work next week and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and all this. And, you know, all of a sudden it's a Sunday afternoon and he, he has a stroke and I knew it immediately. So I called, uh, you know, called the emergency and ambulance came to get him. He lost his speech. Mm-hmm. So he had to learn to talk again, wow. right? Like literally downloading children's apps on his iPad. And the really, the really, really interesting thing about all this, the brain is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is the doctor would hold up a pen and say, do you know what this is? And, and Paul would look at me and he would just shake his shoulders and go, no, I have like, as if to say, I have no idea. He can't speak, but I can understand what he's saying. Right. And uh, meanwhile, he would log onto his iPad, no problem at all and pay all the bills and never make a mistake. Wow. Right. Like how cool is that? So anyway, needless to say, you want to talk about, uh, you know, going for a ride on the fear train. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We, after his stroke, we had 13 more trips to emergency right? Wondering if he's having another heart attack, anxiety, you know, all kinds of things that happen as a result of the medications they have you on and all this kind of stuff. So you're living on the knife edge of fear for like months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is not a good place. Like, you know, I had lost tons of weight. Uh, I was brittle, fragile in terms of, you know, my personality, just, I'm I'm not a caretaker by nature. Paul's the caretaker, right? (laughs) That's not my normal, you know, persona. Mm -hmm. So, um, but let me tell you, I have the greatest respect for anybody who takes on a caretaker role. Mm -hmm. Uh, It took me twice as long to heal from that process than it took him. Wow. It was, it was, it was devastating. Yeah. Did they ever figure out what? caused it him being so healthy and all was it congenital you know like genetic something or do you know Paul would be the Paul would be the first one to tell you that for the the first 35 years of his life he ate like crap right so he he just did you know he ate and you know drank when he played hockey and Mm -hmm. on the weekends and all that kind of stuff and he said he treated his body like crap for 35 years so in 2005 we did like a massive one-year cleanse yeah. <laughs> detox call it what you want uh for a year 
And then from that point forward, you know, we eat super organic, super healthy and all that other kind of stuff. But the reality is, you know, it's still going to take time to wipe away 35 years of treating your body like crap. So, uh, so he, you know, what they believe happened was during that run, a piece of plaque broke off somewhere in the body Mm -hmm. and just blocked literally a whole half of his heart. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, because yeah. all, all his arteries are wide open. So yeah, it was just, it was a, just a complete block. And then once they moved that block, everything was wide open. Mm. And that's talk crazy. about angels, like you said that, I mean, that's like, okay, well then you're still meant to be here. <laughs> yeah. It shouldn't happen, right? to you, but the right people were in the right place. So that's amazing. But I understand that how stressful that was for you too, probably living on edge all that time. And that kind of perpetuates the stress and, you know, like, when's it going to happen again, you know, and yeah, it can just be a, a whole cycle you get into, right? Oh, we literally had to send our daughter to back to Nova Scotia to be with his mom. Because every time he would breathe funny, she would just, she had IBS as a result of the stress. Like every time he would breathe different, she would totally freak out. And her stomach was such a mess that she just, she just couldn't handle it. Um, So we sent her back to, you know, to her grandmother where, you know, she had lots of community. See, we were in a place we didn't have any community, right? We were in Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. We didn't have, know a lot of people. So we sent her back where she was with family and community, which was great and really good for her. And she's doing fantastic now for sure. But Um, but yeah, that, that kind of thing is, is devastating. Unless you've lived through it, you don't truly understand what it is day to day. You know, I remember this one woman, she stopped me, uh, at at a play at the place I worked at the time and in the bathroom. And she said, Trish, I've been through what you're going through right now. She said, what I want to tell you is make sure you make time and take care of yourself through this process. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like as we do. Right. And, and I, I didn't. until a certain point in time when I realized if I didn't, I I wasn't going to be here. So, you know, I needed to really focus on taking care of me in order to be able to take care of him and then whatever it is that it needed to be done. So it's a, it's very, um, it's hard to describe now because I feel like I'm my normal self again, but at the time it's, 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 it's very devastating and you're not your normal self. And um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot in there that, until you've lived it, it's really hard to understand. But what I would say is that I have just massive compassion and understanding for anybody who goes through a process of that nature. Like it's, it's, uh, it's just brutal. Mm -hmm. And as you said, being a caretaker is one of the hardest jobs that there is. And all the focus is on the person with the problem, understandably, but the stress is on the caretaker, you know? So, I mean, I know a ton of the people in the audience can relate to that for sure. So, Hey, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It rings a bell. Oh, it, it's a, it's kind of a personality test or typing. Yeah. Whatever. I was just going to see if you knew your number and your, I know my human design. I'm a, I'm a generator in human design. If you know about that generator. one. Yeah. I'm yeah. familiar yeah. with it. I can't, I think I'm a, I think I'm either a generator or a manifesting generator. I can't remember. You're probably, you're, yeah. You're, I mean, I, a generator is one of those people that just throws energy around like fairy dust. Oh. Right? Yeah. So you're probably a manifesting generator. I'm a little more chill. <laughs> uh, so before we go into your book and all that, let's look into the future. Um, what is on the horizon for you? Any goals, big things that you have to do? And now, is there any 
I say fear or obstacle that you can see that or limiting belief that might hold you back from the next step where you see your life? Yeah, you know, launching this program, right? So this energy integration coaching program, it, it does bring all those things. It's interesting because I just did a meditation on it last night because I, I could feel there was resistance, right? Like I just sent out, I haven't done my formal launch yet. In fact, it, this is the first time I'm doing going public with anything around the conversation other than friends and family, right? So, um, so I sent out the friends and family email mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, before you click send, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm doing this, holy crap. You know what I mean? So, which is fine, you know, like after the first email goes out, it's fine after that. But the first one, it's like, so it's, uh, it can be super scary out of the gate. And then, you know, after I sent it out, right, all up until like, this is very, you know, I've been downloading all of this stuff, right? Like, it's very clear that this is a way that I can show up and be in service. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's very, very clear to me. So I haven't been questioning it because I've been asking that, you know, same reason I'm involved with Tyson's group and all that kind of stuff. I've been asking, how can I be in service, Mm -hmm. right? How can I help, you know, bring up the, the, you know, the good vibrations in the world? Like, what can I do? And this is what has come to me and it's crystal clear. So I'm not questioning that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. By the same token, we do have those deep rooted beliefs. And one of the ones that, that I have often struggled with, I'm I'm highly intuitive. Right. And and when I say that, I mean like highly (laughs) and I trust it. Right. So, um, because a lot of people can be very intuitive, but they don't trust their intuition. Mm -hmm. Right. I trust mine implicitly. So what will happen is, if I, uh, like in business, for example, it, I, I remember I worked with SmartForce uh, way back in the day. They were at the time, the number one e-learning company in the world, subsequently were taken over by Skillsoft, who's still out there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and during that time, during the merger, or, you know, they call it a merger, but, you know, during that process, uh, you know, I could see every time a decision was made, how that was going to affect what it looked like out, you know, further out, right? So if you looked out a year or two years, every time a different decision was made through those merger conversations, I would see exactly how that was going to shift all the pieces on the board and then what our future was going to look like. And I would tell people what I was seeing. Well, they all thought I was nuts, right? And then later on, six, eight months down the road, when what I saw comes to fruition, Mm -hmm. they would come back to me and go, wow, I wish I had to listen to you. And so, and so the belief that got created for me was that people don't want to hear what I have to say, mm-hmm. right? That, that was the, that was the deep rooted belief because over and over and over again, people could not believe that what I was saying was true until it became true. Right. And then they would come back and say, wow, I wish I, I mean, honest to God, if I had a dollar for every time someone said that in my life, like I probably, you know, <laughs> I'd be on a beach. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, that that creates this deep rooted belief within you that people don't want to hear what you have to say. Well, imagine when I'm going out there and, and, and putting myself out there like this, right. Which I'm totally fine to do, but by the same token, when you have that thread in there, right. That is saying people don't want to hear what I have to say. That's going to come through. If I can't get past that, that belief, if I can't let go of that resistance. Right. So, so that's, yeah. So that's, I hope that answers your question that you're yeah. looking for there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, no one's going to listen to me anyway, even though it seems like deep in your heart, your belly, your intuition, you know, you see it clearly that it takes people a while to warm up to what you're saying, or it's only 
after the fact. They say, oh, well, she was right. You should have listened to her. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, and it's not everything like that's, that's sometimes the stuff that's out there. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what created the belief. Like in the moment, most people, you know, that I engage with, they, they absolutely buy into what I'm saying. Like, you know, I, I mean, even in this conversation right now, are you buying what I'm saying? Oh, totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so the, in the moment, isn't the problem. It's the, when I see things out in the future, right. And those conversations that, that created the belief, Right. Uh So, so, you know, in these conversations, one-on-one or even with my teams or whatever else I do, right. I don't, I don't worry about people not believing what I'm saying because, because I know that they do, but it's those people, those times that I've put myself out there for something a little bit different, you know, here's what my intuition's telling me and, and the feedback that I get. And so that created that, that belief. Right. So, so you're kind of like, you're almost a little bit at war with yourself. Right. Because because I absolutely I have I have no problem with confidence in terms of standing in my power, standing in my truth, saying what I need to say and being out there and putting myself out there. By the same token, there's like this niggling little thing in the back of my head that's going. Yeah, but nobody really wants to hear what you have to say. Right. No, nobody. Nobody wants to hear, Trish, that we need better leadership Mm -hmm. in the world. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you know, because I see I see in the future that if we cannot get better leadership, think about how toxic our workplaces are right now. Mm-hmm. Think about the number of people that show up to work every day and they're miserable, right? Just, just think about, about that. The, the number of companies that I'm aware of, and I've worked with over 100 in my career, that are like amazing cultures where people love to show up to work every day, where they're totally in that team flow and everything else, I can count on one hand, <laughs> right? So, you know, you take that and you just, you know, you look at that and you extrapolate that, you got to assume there's not a lot of them out there. Yeah, they exist. hundred percent they do, yeah. but there's not a lot of them. And we look at the majority of people and they show up to work every day and they work under somebody who is fear-based, who is, who is, you know, subjugating them that who is, you know, racism, sexism, uh, you know, undermining, you know, narcissism. I mean, you name it, right? Like all that stuff going on, that's something we have to fix. Right. So when, but when I say that, that's an out there conversation. Like, even though we're dealing with the problem right now, it's an out there conversation. So yeah, it's a fear that that sits in the back of my brain that I'm actively working through because guess what? If I can't get past that fear, I can't be in service. Right. And I can't help people. And that's what I got. And that's what I've asked to be able to do. A couple of questions come from that. Well, one is a comment. I really agree with what you're saying about I think there's a lot of the audience probably who on a Monday morning wakes up and goes, Oh crap, I got to go. And they're the, in the pit of their stomach, they're like, not another week. I, I, I can't do another week. And what does that tell you? I, I would say that's probably 90% of the population. Would you, I'm just throwing that percentage out there. Let's go with it. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, you know, if you don't have a reason or leadership is telling you a reason in your company why what you do matters or that you're making a difference in the world, you're not just another cog in the wheel, then it's hard to get up to go to work, you know? Yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what's what's gonna motivate you? Right. And then the other thing you said that I'm kind of really interested in is confidence. You mentioned you, you have no problem with confidence. You're confident in your decisions. My audience knows who's been listening that confidence has always been an issue with me just around, no matter how many degrees I get, whatever, I still just feel like 
like you said, no one wants to hear what I want to say, or I'm not that outgoing, bubbly personality. What gave you your confidence, especially considering what you told us about your childhood, you were a loner, you know, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but, um, yeah, no, totally. Confidence? Yep. It, it was that oh. <laughs> it, it absolutely, it absolutely was that. So, so here's the thing. One of the most devastating numbers that, and I don't know, I don't have the number off the top of my head. I'm not even going to make it up. But one of the most devastating statistics that are that has come out as a result of COVID is the number of teens who are committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it is it is shocking to me. Like, and and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, and I hated it, <laughs> we talked about this. What it did is it built a strength in me. Mm-hmm. Right. Having to be alone. And, and, and I mean, don't like having, I chose, it's like, okay, well, I can hang with you and not be my authentic self and pretend like I'm part of your clique when I'm not actually, mm-hmm. or I can be my true self. Like that was the choice I had and being my true self meant there wasn't anybody who really wanted to be with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. So, you know, so I spent a lot of time alone and became very comfortable being with myself and understanding who I am and what my capabilities are. Um, another really, uh, big piece and oh, you're getting all the goodies tonight, Carrie, I'm telling you, um, another, and, and I'm actually going to be, I'm, I'm, we have a program coming up on this. It's not ready yet, but it's coming up on this exact issue. So here's the deal. Here's what happened. I told you about my university. The fact, I don't have university education. I started working in like fortune 500, like doing work in it, mostly in the U S I always lived in Canada, but I did a lot of work with U S clients at the time, you know, early in my career. And what I found was that I was in these organizations and, you know, you'd have people who were leadership positions because, you know, the consulting I was doing was, was pretty high up in leadership. And I'm sitting there around boardroom tables going, holy jumping, like this guy probably couldn't manage his way out of a paper bag. What, how does that happen? Like, how do you get somebody in a leadership position that that's, that's that incapable? Like, I, I can't even wrap my head around it. They have the education, Right. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, a U.S. education. So let's be real. That's not cheap. Right. right. Um, you know, they they can you know, they're they're struggling to, you know, to put sentences together in a coherent way. And I'm going, how does this happen? So I literally spent two years really watching people who dominated in their arena. OK, and I'm not talking about just in the business arena. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care. I, in fact, I remember there's one of those, what's that show with the uh, undercover boss, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's one, one from 7-Eleven. I'll never forget because when I watched that one, I saw that guy who worked in that 7-Eleven. He was a total rock star, right? He's exactly what I'm talking about. He had every one of these traits. So what I did is I spent two years watching and saying, what is it that differentiates people who are total, what I call quote unquote rock stars mm-hmm. from everybody else? Those people who dominate in the arena Versus the people who just show up and, you know, end up in a position because they've been with the company long enough. Okay. Education has nothing to do with it. Uh Nothing. I identified 10, what I call the 10 rock star skills. Right. Uh And, um, and at the, you know, at the time I, I created a program for teens. Here's the funny thing about it. (laughs) I created this program for teens, did a couple of sessions at the schools, kids freaking loved it. The school teachers hated it. Yeah, they were convicted. <laughs> Probably. Uh oh, I'm not one of them. Rock that didn't. 
it didn't go very far. Let's just say that. So I, I actually ended up converting it into a program for entrepreneurs and, and they loved it. Like I literally have had 40 year old men in my program in tears because they had no idea that this is why they never fit into a corporate environment. Right. They, they just, they are inherently one of these rock stars. It, it is innate. Like you can look into a book by Garrett Laporto called, I think it's the Da Vinci method or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they talk about is the Da Vinci gene. So, so it is inherent. And, and really he's talking about these people who are inherently rock stars. That's what I am. Right. I'm, I'm one of these people. Yeah. Uh, so not everybody has the gene quote unquote. However, uh, all of these skills can be learned every single one of them. They can all be learned. So people can learn these skills. So we're, because people are, kids are home now, you know, being homeschooled, kids are losing their mind. Parents are losing their mind. I've actually brought a team together and we're building a rockstar boot camp for 15 years and up. I don't care. You're an adult, go ahead. But it's mostly going to be for teens to set them up with these skills. These are lifelong skills. And the way I look at it is if you have these skills, I can drop you anywhere on the planet and you'll be able to not only survive, but thrive because you have these skills. So, yeah. So if in terms of the confidence, like that's, he's all coming back, right? How can I not be confident in myself when I produce results over and over and over again? Right. And I, and, and I'm getting, and don't get, get me wrong. Having great leadership is a big factor in that, mm-hmm. right? Early in your, early in my career, you know, I used to look for external validation mm-hmm. because you don't know. Right. And the more that I got really good external validation because I had great leaders, the more that I knew I was good at what I did. And now I don't look for external validation at all. In fact, I'm like, yeah, my team's awesome. (laughs) You know, you give me feedback. It's like, I don't need the feedback. I know I'm good, right? My team's awesome, right? My, you know, I couldn't have done this without my team. And and that's absolutely 100% true. I can't do it without my team. So, you know, it's no longer about me. A servant leader is not, it's not about you. Um, But that need to look for external validation goes away when you have enough evidence to show that you are good at what you do, whatever it is, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. Does that help? Yeah, I love that. And even though you're saying some people are born with the Da Vinci gene or whatever, it's not that any person can't get better, right? It's oh, not like, oh, absolutely. they're just a superstar and I'm just plain Jane. I'll never get there. You can always build those rock star traits, which will you give us a sneak peek into one of the 10 that you found? Ooh, which one, which one? Jaguar mentality. Okay, do tell. Okay, okay. So here's the deal with the Jaguar. And, and the thing you need to realize about this Da Vinci gene is those rock stars, let's be real, can be a real pain in the butt, mm-hmm. okay? So it, we, can't, we don't want a world full of rock stars because they're freaking annoying. Like, <laughs> seriously, you know, there's a maturity scale, okay? And, and that's where the Jaguar mentality comes from. So the maturity scale is Trish, you know, a million years ago, back early in my career is what you would have. And you, you would know a person like this, right? Do you know that person that's a pit bull that, you know, they, they just want to argue every point and they argue it to the death. My gosh. I know more (laughs) closely than you would even imagine. (laughs) Right. So, so that's what I call pit bulls, right? Now that's an immature rock star skill. Yeah. Okay. Now not everybody's like that. Okay, so there's a high probability that these people are actually rock stars in disguise. Who knows? But but that person who goes after every bone and has to kill every bone every time and leave blood on the walls, that's an immature rock star. Okay. Now, when you mature in that particular skill, that's what I call Jaguar mentality. So the reason I call it Jaguar mentality is 
cats are lazy as a general proposition. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're only actually going to actually go after the kill when they're hungry. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go after every kill. So they become much more discerning around which meal they're going to go after or which fight they're going to have. Okay. So that's number one. And number two is they're graceful. Mm -hmm. So I can go after it, right? I can go into the battle, but instead of actually killing something and leaving blood on the walls, I can head for a win-win, right? I can do it with grace. I don't have to, I don't have to kill every bone every time. Does that make sense? It does. I love that. And at the end of the show, we're going to list how to connect with you. I know people are going to be, including me, interested in that. <laughs> and it just seems like you're a natural <laughs> observer of, of people, of what makes them tick, of what makes a good organization. And I think that is probably one of the best traits you can have is you don't just put blinders on and go through life, but like sit back and wonder, why is this happening? What patterns am I seeing? And it seems like you do that very well. You know what, Carrie, this is, this is what the program is for the energy integration coach, because do you know what I'm doing? I'm reading the energy all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm doing. And this is not, this is not a woo woo. I mean, you can call it that. We all have intuition. It is conditioned out of us as kids. It is not that we don't have it. We absolutely have it. It, 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 like I I tell it, there's facts, go out and find the facts. Like there's scientific basis for intuition as being your sixth sense. Why would you not want to develop that to the same degree that you have touch and taste and smell and hearing? Like, of course you would want to, well, well, people don't, but they should. Because when I say that I'm, can you say I'm I'm an observer? I'm not going to disagree with that. Yes, I am. I'm stu. I call myself a student of life, right? Like, you know, instead of university student, I'm the student of life because I do, I observe. However, what I'm observing is the energy. Mm -hmm. So in my own team, for example, and I've built six high performance teams in my career, now, let me just give you a little bit of, a, of what that means, because I, I actually was kind of shocked, right? Because in, when I launched the internet service company, that was a high performance team. That's what I was conditioned into. Well, why would I want anything else? So I spent my entire career either looking for it. And when I couldn't find it, I just created it myself. Mm-hmm. So I created six high performance teams. Now, I was doing a, a session here in Manitoba for some CIOs. And I asked the people in the room, how many of you have not led, have been a part of a high performance team? Guess how many people put their hand up? One. One. <laughs> One. One. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me right now? So anyway, I was flabbergasted. So building six high performance teams is actually a big freaking deal, apparently. Yeah. Um, but I track the energy and that and that's what I want to teach people how to do. I want to teach leaders how to do this. So when I say I track the energy, literally what I'm talking about is every day I get up, I'm going about my shower, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, getting ready for the day. And in my, in my, you know, intuitive space, whatever you want to call that, my head, whatever, I just start tapping in, right, to the energy. So I'm checking in, I'm like, we're all working remotely, right? It still works. We don't even have to be in the same space because energy is energy. So I tap into the energy of my team and I kind of go, hmm, what's that feeling like to me? When I think about my team as a whole, what does that feel like to me right now? Mm-hmm. And if it feels like there's something a little crunchy going on, you know, then, then I take that information and I translate it into the quote unquote real world and I start asking questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I start reaching out to my man. Hey, is there anything going on with your team? Everything good. What's happening? Oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah is going on. Oh, there we go. And I start uncovering and I start uncovering and I start uncovering until I find the problem. 
I track the energy of projects. I track the energy of my team. I track the energy of, of people. I don't track them as in tap into their secrets, but I just track their energy. Are you okay? Right. Yeah. Are you, are you kind of, you know, going off the rails because you're overwhelmed with the work? Do you have too much going on? Are you hitting barriers? Are you working with somebody who's making you feel really uncomfortable? Like all of these things mm-hmm. is information that comes to me. It allows me to step in and actually take specific actions to address and mitigate that before it becomes a problem, right? right? That's what I'm doing. I'm just reading the energy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does because I'm the type of person who is very, I'm like an empath. Like I can read the energy in a room in a heartbeat. I walk in, I see who's having conflicts non-verbally with somebody else. And like, then somebody will leave the room. And I was like, did you feel that? And they're like, what? I was like, there was crickling tension there, you know, and they're all (laughs) clueless. But I get what you say also from afar, because I mean, when you just think about it to the audience, anyone has had this happen. You think about somebody, you know, out of the blue, your mom or your best friend from high school, you haven't talked to in 16 years. You're just thinking about them. You don't know why you're thinking about them. Boom. A text pops up. Right. They're thinking about you too. You know, it's just it's weird how, how many times that happens and you can feel it. And this does get a little woo woo, but I think when people really drop down and if they're a person that can be still and think outside the box and really feel it, I think they'll relate to this. Here's a really practical one. I would say almost every single person listening to this podcast right now has had the situation at some point in their life where they had the feeling that their partner was cheating on them, but they didn't want to face it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They didn't want, they didn't want to face what that was going to mean. They didn't want You know, it's a two year relationship. I don't want to, you know, we all have the same friends, you know, we're living together. You know, they don't want to deal with the reality of what it would mean to actually face that. So they ignore it. Mm -hmm. But, but I would challenge anybody on this podcast to email me and say, I've never had anything like that happen because I call crap, right? (laughs) Yeah, you have (laughs) every single one of us. Yep. So, I mean, I like how you bring that down to that example, because that's very relatable for sure. Yeah, I love it. And I just love the things you're doing and your, and your energy. I think people will feel it through the, through the podcast for sure. I want to, (laughs) yay. I want to get into a little bit of your book. You sent it to me and it's more of, it's like a, um, it's called the question journey, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a self-development journal kind of thing. It's not like you're reading page after page of text. That's right. And it's awesome. It's a mixture of questions that you ask yourself journaling, some awesome artwork, some quotes, uh, some poems, you know, all of that. I love it. And you leave a lot of blank space because you want us to try to explore ourselves. But a couple questions about that, the question journey, your book, what made you pull the trigger on that and actually Ooh. go out and do it? And then I want to know a little bit of the how to after that. Okay. So 
So this is a funny, a funny uh, story. So I was living on Vancouver Island at the time and I was downstairs in our house and I was reading a book by Joe Vitale about marketing. I don't even remember what it's called, but anyway, in the book, it had this um, story about a woman who had written a book called everything men know about women. And I'm like, Oh, this should be interesting. And and I read on only to find out that the entire book was empty. Like not a single word on a single page. <laughs> right. And so I did what you're doing. I started laughing hysterically. Right. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And she sold millions of these things. It, it was crazy. So anyway, I, I just thought that was amazing. So as I was sitting there, I kind of, I don't know what, I don't know where it came from, but I just started to like get this idea around, you know, the question journey book, right? Like it just like started like flooding into my brain. I literally, I started it all night long that night. I'm writing little, little sticky notes and plopping them onto my wall in the dark. <laughs> so as you know, there's only like about what, 10 pages on the front end to read in terms of just setting you up for how to right. use the book. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's all questions. And you know, I really wanted it to be collaborative. So many of the questions were submitted by other people, um, artwork from all kinds of different artists. And it is beautiful. The artwork is beautiful in the book. Um, and um, even the fact that it's black and white, color can really drive people into certain visceral reactions. So the whole book is black and white to not, you know, try to set you up for anything in terms of when you actually sit with the questions. So, uh, but the trigger right? Was this, when I asked the universe for something, the universe delivers. When the universe asks me for something, what am I going to do? Deliver. Right? Am I going to show up? Right? right? Am, am I going to say, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, universe for all the abundance you bring my way and all the opportunities and all the money and all the blah, blah, blah. But when you want something, I'm going to go, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And so one of my, one of my teachers used to say that, you know, the universe delivers, if the universe shows up someday and asks you for something and, and you know, I, I, I'm aware where the idea came from. I, I honestly don't. All I know is it just started, you know, a lot of songwriters say that it just kind of comes into their brain. And, you know, I, it was kind of like that, right. It just started to just download right into my head. Um, and, um, and I knew it was a good idea. And really the message that I got around it was this, people have to stop looking outside of themselves for their answers. Mm-hmm. They have to stop. They have to understand that they have their own answers. They are never, never going to find their answer somewhere outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. This is why Tony Robbins's program, you know, I don't want to be your guru or whatever he calls it. Right. it, it it's like, stop, stop coming to me looking for your answer. You have it. You're just not wanting to listen to it. Right? There's a difference back around to <laughs> intuition and all of that too. You know, deep down, but you just keep right. asking because you want somebody to give you a better answer that you like, not like, Oh, that's right. You got it. Well, I love that. Hashtag nailed it. So uh, it's, <laughs> I know I have some, and myself included aspiring authors in the audience. So like technicalities, did you self-publish? Did you, what did you do to get this out there? Cause I know you sent it to me. Um, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Published and it's, yeah, I did. I, I, yeah, I self-published it. I think a lot of people think, well, I could <laughs> never get an agent and get one of the publishing houses to publish me, but we can all put our stuff out there. Just like this podcast. Who am I? I'm just somebody who has a message to share, you know, so that's, that option is available to all of us, right. To self-publish. Yeah. 
And it wasn't that hard. It really wasn't that hard. So uh, I did, my husband helped me. I mean, I, you know, and I didn't do this alone. This, like I said, this is a very collaborative project mm-hmm. and it was literally nine months. So it was, it was literally like giving a ba- giving birth to a, a baby. And it was, you know, there was all these fears that kind of show up through that process, you know, no different than when you get pregnant. So for all the women in your audience, when you get pregnant for the first time, you're like, eh, what's going to happen when I give birth? What's going to happen after I give birth? And you know what I mean? You have all these fears, right? Same kind of thing happened throughout the book, but I just, every day I did something on the book mm-hmm. every day. Right. And, you know, um, one of the big fears that I had was I was asking for help right? Mm-hmm. Having, asking for help, asking for people to help, whether it was, you know, um, investment or whatever else it happened to be. Asking people for help was a big, like I was gagging on that. <laughs> I remember the first time I had to ask someone for help, I, I started and it was actually my, my BFF and, and I, I was, uh, I started to ask her and she, I was like, you know, pussy putting around it and blah, blah, blah. And, and she's like, Jesus, Trish, when you get your head out of your rear end, give me a call. I know what you want. And yes, I'll give it to you, but you got to ask me for it. I'm like, okay, it took me a week. And she's my freaking BFF. You know what I mean? So, so we do struggle with asking for help and, and things like that. And so there was all those fears that I had to face through that process. And they were right there in real time. And, you know, it, uh, it, was, uh, it was quite the process. But yes, I did self-publish. Um, I'm happy to share information. There's lots of logistics around this stuff. You know, FYI, for anybody out there thinking of writing your book, for crying out loud, get a sample copy size and ship it to yourself (laughs) to see how much it's going to (laughs) cost. Because I I would not have done my size if I'd known that in (laughs) advance. (laughs) Right? Well, I think, I think that's awesome. And and we're going to give all your details at the end that people can reach out to you. And I, I will too, you know, just to see who you yeah, are. Yeah. But kind of back to your journal, again, the question journey, your book, a couple of the questions, I just wanted to give the audience um, some examples of the questions. And it's kind of like, you're just sitting with yourself in reflection. But some of my favorite ones were Here's one of them. What situations move you outside your comfort zone or make you uncomfortable? That's the first question. And then the follow-up is, how do you react to these situations? And, and mm-hmm. I just think that's great. You know, when you really get down to feeling your feelings and what, what makes you uncomfortable and then what do you do? So that's an example of a question I like. Do you have anything to say on that one? Do you remember what brought that up? Well, I just, I just had it last night, right? I mean, we talked about that earlier is that, you know, um, sending this out, uh, you know, basically promoting myself out to my friends and family, telling them what I'm doing, asking for their support, right? Like, yeah, that, that can make me a little bit uncomfortable. You know, that's not my, that's not my, um, my normal space to be in. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and so it's like, you know, yes. What was the second part of the question? So what do you do when you get it? Well, you know what, here's the thing. Do I want to be in fear or do I want to be in service? Mm-hmm. You get to me, the question is that simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can live in fear and I can play small or I can be in service and I can help people. Mm-hmm. So that that's the question. How many people out there right now, are waiting for me to step up so that I can help them be the best, their best selves. And in particular for leaders, because guess what's going to happen then? There's going to be a whole ripple effect. When those leaders show up in a way that they are best supporting, empowering, and, and creating massive trust and psychological safety for their teams, that ripple effect 
is massive. Mm-hmm. And if I can play some role in that in order to make that happen, oh, you want to bet you I'll get over my discomfort real freaking quick. Right. It's, it's outward focused. I'm going to get over myself in order, in service of others. Like you, you're repeated 100% through this. Okay. Yeah. One of my other favorite questions, and it was a little convicting to me or like what's wrong with my life. But <laughs> one of the other questions was what makes you laugh out loud? And how often do you laugh out loud? And I thought, I was like, I have not laughed out loud in a long time. Like maybe if we're watching a comedian on TV or something, but I mean, there are days that'll go by that I won't laugh out loud. And I'm thinking that's a problem, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely kind of cut to the core, even though it's kind of lighthearted, you know, I was like, Oh, need to laugh a little more. <laughs> but yeah. Like, right. Mm-hmm. You had a laugh tonight. Right. <laughs> Smile. <laughs> Laughing. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I just really highly recommend your book and we're going to tell everybody how to get it um, at the end. But before we'll actually, I want to go one. No, we'll save that for the end. I, I'm, I'm here, whatever you want to do. Right. I'm here for the ride. I have a last thought, but I want to let you um, talk about that at the end. Sure. A couple questions I like to ask everybody just because I love books. I love quotes. I love all that kind of stuff. And you've mentioned a book already that you recommend, but what, what book has, um, could you recommend to others who maybe are feeling stuck in their life or are, you know, kind of stymied by their fears or just one that's been inspirational to you? Yep. My go-to book, and I am dead serious when I say I read this book every six months. It takes me about two and a half hours. It doesn't take very long to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, Deepak Chopra's The Seven Laws, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Mm-hmm. That Have you read that? I haven't. It's amazing. It's amazing. So it, uh, you know, it really just helps you to really see you. And I, I, the reason I read it every six months is because every time I read it and I've been doing this for years, mm-hmm. it's a completely different book. Wow. Cause you're a completely different life. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the question journey is the same thing that way. Right. That's why I often say, you know, I certainly left space on the pages for people to be able to journal on the page, but some, many people will use a separate journal Because if you look at that question about laughter today, if you now all of a sudden become very conscious of laughing and making sure you have things each day that help to bring you bliss and joy and make you laugh out loud, that's going to be a completely different question for you even three months from now, right? So yeah, so that's, uh, but that's my go-to book uh, that is probably the biggest one. You know, there's tons, you know, that have really shifted my life. Uh, Neil Donald Walsh's Conversations with God Mm -hmm. uh, was a huge shift for me. But in terms of my go-to that on a regular basis, I, my checkpoint to bring me back to me uh-huh. is that is that one by Deepak Chopra. Love it. Okay. So I did mention there's a lot of quotes in the book and I love quotes and I try to gather them. Is there one or two go-tos for you that you have up on a board or you like to go to time after time? Um, you know what? My favorite one, which isn't, it's not a quick quote. It's in the book, but the invitation mm-hmm. is like, 
one of my favorites, right? By Oriah Mountain Dreamer. So that is in the book. But I think the essence of it is the one by Carl Jung that's on the very first page of the book. Like as soon as you open it up, your vision will become clear only when you look into your heart. Mm. Yeah. Right? It's true. And that's about having your own answers. Right. In a nutshell. (laughs) And I'm guilty of being the person who has let the outside world society and the way things are supposed to be kind of mold the way my vision should be or where I should go. And I know a lot of people are like that, but when you really settle into your heart and look at it, that's where you get your true vision. I think So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we're on a podcast right now and I'm sure, well, we have podcast listeners and they like to listen, but is there one that you like, or you can recommend? Oh my goodness. You know what? <laughs> this is so bad. Not listen. I'm, not a, I'm not a podcast <laughs> listener, but, but I, but I am a listener. I am. I do. I, here's what I do do every, almost every single day is um, if you've ever used the app called insight timer, it's a meditation app and there's like a million meditations on there. And my favorite guy on there is Steve Nobel. Uh, and his meditations are absolutely amazing. They're so powerful. Although, hello, they're probably way down the woo-woo trail for some people. <laughs> but, but for me, um, and, and you know what? Even as simple as at night, uh, I love listening to the ocean waves. Mm-hmm. And there's beautiful ocean wave meditations on there that's just nothing but the ocean for a solid hour, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I put that on like every night. And my husband on the other side of the bed, I'm not joking, does the exact same thing, but his is rain. So we have ocean and a thunderstorm going on all at the same time every night when we go to bed. <laughs> Lots of water in there, right? <laughs> it's calming. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like being at the beach and hearing that ocean out out there. So yeah. And and you know what? I got to tell you, Carrie, uh-huh. my favorite drive. I know I'm. To- this is totally down off off the out of left field. My favorite drive on the planet, and I come from Nova Scotia, where we have some pretty gorgeous coastline, is the Oregon coast. Oh, yeah, that's where I'm that is my audience knows. Yeah. Dunning. Like, anyway, I just had to put that in there because that's absolutely my favorite. And anytime I get a chance to do it, I do it. I've probably done it like four times now and I love it. Yeah. If you can get a sunny day, then it's bliss. Most of the time it's kind oh, of yeah. popped in, but uh, yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, so social media, I don't know if you're super active on there, but is there anybody that you follow that you know, just as inspiring to you, you could recommend to others? Oh my goodness. There's so many. I would have picked one. <laughs> you know what? If you, if you go on my Instagram, there's lots of people that follow me that I follow because they're inspiring. Okay. You know, like, I don't know that I could pick like one or two. There's like lots of people on there. Yeah. Um, you know, Tyson, Tyson's one of those people, yeah. right? Tyson's amazing. And he's got some really, you know, uh, straight to the gut. <laughs> Right. Here's the real deal, people, you know, um, oh my gosh, there's so many, there's just so many. So it, listen, if you're on Instagram, that's probably the, I do have Facebook for sure for my, for the question journey, there's a page, um, and there's Instagram, you know, uh, I would say if you just kind of like some of the people that are on my Instagram that I follow, I follow because they inspire me and there's a lot of them on there. Mm-hmm. And that's Tyson Sharp. You were talking about that. Um, yeah, for the, yeah. And I, we've mentioned yeah, he's definitely one of those in the podcast. Yeah, he's great. And this is just kind of a fun one. I don't know if you're a movie buff 
or watch TV or Netflix or anything, but is there, if you are, is, if, is there any movie that if, if it's on while you're scrolling through, you have to watch it. You watch it over and over again because it's so inspiring to you or just you like it. It can be, you know, I'm in going to laugh matter. <laughs> you're gonna this is this is funny and the answer is yes right um and this is funny because I I used to watch it every single year like intentionally because it's not often on like any kind of the movie stations or anything like that right it's been around for a long freaking time I think it was one of Matthew Broderick's first movies it's got Michelle Pfeiffer Matthew Broderick it's called Lady Hawk okay Mm -hmm. and here's why here's why I would watch it every year because I kept waiting for it to get corny (laughs) right I kept waiting for the year that I would watch and I'd be like I don't understand why I love this movie it's so corny but every freaking year I love it as much as the year before which is ridiculous yes it's a million years old I thought it was awesome every Matthew Broderick movie but hey and there's like is it Viggo Mortensen like I think he's in it with Michelle Pfeiffer too anyway it's a beautiful story. I, I do love it. And, you know, it's not often that I, I'm, in fact, I don't know if I've ever come across it on TV at all. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my family actually bought me, you know, back when DVDs were a thing, they bought that for me at one point in time so I could watch it every year. It's, it's hilarious. It's the only DVD I own, but uh, yeah, that's so awesome. that's, that's the one that's my go-to. Yeah. So what I kind of want to go to here at the end is your knowledge and pearls of wisdom that you could give our audience on a problem that I hear over and over in myself included has struggled with. And that is a lot of people feel stuck. So a lot of people feel like this is just the road I've chosen that I went to college for this. This is my career. I'm making good money. I don't see a way out of it. I don't see a way out of this bad relationship I'm in. I just, I know there's something more. I just don't know what to do. What advice would you give them just to maybe step one and step two in that situation based on your knowledge? Um, I I would say step one is to, is to get quiet. Right. So, so I find that what a lot of people do is they create this, what I call NTA, right. Noise to avoid. So they have constant drama in their life, right? And if they if there isn't a drama, they'll make one, <laughs> right? Or they'll be so busy or they'll walk extra hours or I just have to do it, I just have to do it because what we wanna do is we wanna create constant noise in our heads so that our heart's voice cannot emerge. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing, right? So the first thing to do is to really learn to get quiet, right? And, and I'm not, if you're not a meditator, that's totally cool. You don't have to be a meditator. Just be quiet, mm-hmm. like just get quiet. So sit outside, you know, with your coffee or your tea or your glass of wine Mm -hmm. and just be quiet, right? Don't read, don't have your phone, don't be texting, just leave all the technology in the house, blow it on the deck, just be in in nature and just be quiet. And whatever starts to come forward, allow it to come out. Mm -hmm. And this is actually really important because what ends up happening is, as we continue to push down the things we don't want to deal with, we actually create huge stress in the body right? And that stress can lead to disease mm-hmm. more times than not. It, it's, it, it's unbelievable. So it's really, this isn't just about getting unstuck. It's literally, it could be about your life. And I, that's another story. Maybe we'll do another podcast on that one. That's another story that I lived. I lived that. So, um, you know, I was told I only had seven years to live back in 98. 
so I have lived that reality and we do not want to go down that road. So it is this getting quiet is really important because you continuing to not face this truth within you is going to cause you problems. Mm. I can tell you that right now. It's not even a question. It absolutely will cause you problems. Now, the next thing is, although I'm not going to say that it's going to cause you a disease, what I am saying is it's going to cause problems. <laughs> okay, so let's be clear about 100%. that. I'm not going to manifest anything for you. The other piece is so that's, that's step one, be quiet and learn to get quiet. Step two is that you want to honor yourself, right? To really have enough love and self-esteem and self-respect to honor what your heart is asking you to do. Mm-hmm. If you are in an abusive relationship, if you are in a cheating relationship, if you are in a relationship that is toxic, if you're whatever it is that's going on for you, if you're in a job you hate, right? The biggest problem is that we can't see the choice. The choice is absolutely there, mm-hmm. but you often can't see it because you're so stuck in the pattern and the habit of your life. Right. So you want to be able to take a step back. Now, whether that's talking to a coach or you know, whatever, talking to your best friend, whatever it is. But when you do that, continuing to wear the mask of the falsity of your life is not going to serve you in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to take the step to talk to someone about it, be vulnerable, be, be super wide open about what's real, what you're feeling, whether it's true or not, share your story and, and, and share it in its entirety and have someone help you to see the choice or the path that you just can't see because you're so far in it. Yeah. What's that saying? You can't see the label from inside the bottle or whatever. You're so stuck in your own situation. You can't see your way out of that. And hundred percent, I couldn't agree more. That's outstanding advice, you know, and the hardest thing really is that getting quiet because when we start to feel that little, niggling thing in, in, in us, start to scroll, start to do whatever, eat, drink, whatever it is, not to feel, to be quiet, to be still. But I think that's also why when you're in the shower, you can't be doing anything. I mean, unless you're blasting music from the other room, you're alone with yourself. And that's where I get a bunch of my best ideas because you finally yourself be quiet, you know, and like, Oh, I have, the greatest title for that podcast episode, you know, just stuff like that. Well, I know there are audience members who are going to want to reach out to you. First of all, where can they find the question journey, your book slash journal? That's my first question. They can. Yeah, absolutely. They can find that at thequestionjourney.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy a hard copy or an ebook. So whichever one is more convenient for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's the best place to go to get that information. And, um, and you can order the book right off the website. So I just wanted to interject that this is like a dream come true for me, because when I started a podcast, I thought about my favorite things, what I like to do, what I would, my perfect day would entail. And I love to read. And I said, I would love to have a podcast where I can interview authors and um, just get to know them and how they work. And this is, you know, a dream coming true. So I just love it. And I thank you for being Oh my gosh, that's 
so amazing. And I'm so happy that I can be in service to you that way. That's awesome. And you know what, it just how, how much of a win win is this? Right. right. You're doing the podcast you love to do. I'm, you know, I'm getting an opportunity to have a great conversation with you. We're sharing with your audience. Like that's a win, win, win. I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. So um, you mentioned some programs that you have coming up or that you may have in the past. What yep. do you have a website you can lead people to? I do. And it's super simple. It's trishbishop.com. Yep. That's easy. Yep. And then how about social media, Instagram, Facebook page, whatever you want to share. And I'll put this in the show notes. Yep. Everywhere is question journey. Uh, so Instagram's question journey, Twitter is question journey and uh, Facebook is the question journey. Awesome. Well, I can't wait for people to hear this and I know they're going to get so much out of it. Just like I have. I mean, you put a smile on my face today, so this will be my laughter for the day. Uh, Yay! Is there any last thing you want to say that's on your mind that we haven't talked about before we close? No, other than this has just been like so much fun. I love this. I think you're amazing. I love what you're doing. And I love the way that you're showing up to be in service. And I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Trish. I really appreciate you coming on and can't wait to uh, maybe have Round two, at some point, we can get into another part of your story. Yay! <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Carrie. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.